Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello and welcome back to Brave New Teaching and welcome to an episode where we talk about the fun stuff in our classrooms. I say fun with a capital F. How about you, Amanda? Okay. Aggressive. Aggressively fun. I am all about that because I think I need an episode like this every now and again to remind me that fun is important. I can get inside my own head sometimes with being hyper-focused on all of the things. And I capital F forget about (laughs) capital F fun and not on purpose. I'm a fun teacher. I'm a fun, I have a very laid back personality, but like, Man, like sometimes I just need someone to be like, pull my head out and be like, yo, what'd you do for fun this week? Yeah, be silly. Yeah, today, I mean, honestly, friends, the claim, the long and short thesis of today's podcast episode is you have license to have fun in your classroom. No matter, like, as long as you are doing so responsibly, as long as you are coming at this as a professional and you've got a rhyme and a reason for the fun, sometimes that fun is curricular. And those are the examples we're going to give today are fun that feed into rigorous things that are, are in and of themselves rigorous and curricular and like highly academic or not. If they're not, just use them responsibly, right? Like that's. Yeah. That's it. We're teaching real live human kids and we're real live human people. So like, it's okay. That's, there you go. Episode over. Done. Okay. Okay. Thanks guys for listening. And just kidding. (laughs) 
But like, that's, that's really, I just wanted to begin with that. Like we have permission to have fun. We don't have permission to have fluffy, nothing fun that has no substance every single day. Sure. Forever. Like, no, not every day is fun. That's the other thing too. The flip side of this coin is not every day is fun. And that is a conversation I had with my own students this past week. This just isn't very fun. I was like, yeah, no shit. Like, not yeah. all of it is. <laughs> like, excuse my language. Well, well, I didn't say that to them, but I was like, yeah. Uh. Well, and I think that maybe why sometimes I get pulled so far the other way is that I got very sucked into edutainment at the beginning of my career, right? That this, like, this, yes. right? this need to be constantly on stage and performing and keeping things new, keeping things fresh and right. Fast track to burnout. And I kind of flipped to the other side because I know that when I was fun, I also had a lot of classroom management problems. I had a lot of things that were not fun for me and kids expected things to be fun just because. So if you're, depending on where you are in your career, you have a mixed up bizarre relationship with fun. So we're here to kind of set the record straight. (laughs) I felt a lot of shame over having too much fun in my class. And so I then made sure, I've developed strategies for making sure that when we do have fun, 90% of the time, it is very heavily linked to what we are doing academically. Almost like, I mean, this sounds terrible, but like almost as a way to like prove to myself that it's okay. Like I am a good teacher. Like I I get all up in my head and get this like imposter syndrome going on, but also just to like also check and balance with myself that I'm not phoning it in, frankly. Well, and you know that like I I said it before, like the classroom management issue is so real. Like, oh, gosh, sometimes kids ruin fun because they can't. Right. So when it's when it's connected or when the thread is very clear that the fun that they're having is not random, you usually can hone it in a little bit better so that the fun is really it actually is fun. Like I've done random categories days and I've done random days where we watch a movie. But like, I can't tell you how many times I've been like pissed at the end, like you were on your phone, you were talking like, uh, you know, you, yeah. whatever, like got in some kind of bizarre, weird trouble on your phone. Cause you weren't doing the fun thing we were all doing. Like this was supposed to be fun. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. Exactly. <sighs> so we don't want to do that. We want to actually have fun. We want you to have fun. We want to have a good time. So we're going to talk today about three of the fun arenas that we can kind of, you know, kind of categorize our fun within. Uh, We're going to look at classroom transformations. We're going to look at makerspace opportunities and games. Those are kind of like the three things we really want to focus on in today's episode. Yes, we are. Friends, the first thing we have to do that's going to be really fun is cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. All right. As we dive in, I actually have to throw a curveball at my friend Amanda because we have a fourth thing that we're going to talk about, and it's going to be like immersive role play experiences. Yes. 
I just feel weird saying role play because it has such a different meaning. So I say immersive activities that like get children really into it. So we'll talk about that at the end of what I'm talking about there. Let's first talk about, is it classroom transformations? Is that what we want to talk about first? Yes. Okay. Classroom transformations are fun, especially for someone like me who like nerds out really hard on decor and like I'm a sucker for a good theme. Like I love it. And classroom transformations, I have been known to go a little too much a little too into it. I can be that girl, but I can also be a very simple classroom transformation type teacher. When we talk about a transformation, what do we mean by that? The physical space feels surprisingly different on any given day. How does that sound? Yes. 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 I feel like the element of surprise is important. Like I don't usually my kids. I want them to walk in and feel this space is different. Especially if you're doing a more thorough or like full transformation of the space. And like that might mean things on the walls. That might mean things projected onto a screen. That might mean things on tables or on desks. That might mean lighting change, props around the room, sounds. Like think think all of the like all sensory. of the different things, sensory exactly, that could create an environment and an ambiance that would be transformative of the space. I would even push back on like, yes, the element of surprise, absolutely, for something that is like a big change. Like when I do, I've talked about it so many times on here, my murder mystery party for the beginning of Hamlet, the lights are completely off. I've got like tablecloths across, like all around the room. Sometimes I'll hang up like dollar store medieval looking... (laughs) shields and stuff. Music is playing. I've got things projected that looks like a medieval tavern. And the space is as transformed as I can make it. And I, the very little warning I give students is they just get a slip of paper the day before that says, thou art cordially invited to, what do I have it say? Thou art, I gave them a little invitation with a timestamp of the beginning of class. And they look at me like I've got three eyes and I'm always like, dress for success. See you tomorrow. And then there we go. But then that element of surprise of the whole classroom being different, I make them stay outside until like a minute into the class period. And I just blast the Game of Thrones theme song before I let them come in so they can hear it through the door. Like it's a whole thing. Yes. In your experience, Marie, have you gone through the phase of feeling like a classroom transformation has to be something epically enormous all the time? Like if you're going to do one, it has to be epic. Briefly, yes, I did go yeah, through that. Me too. That's also because I love it. But then I was like, no, oh, okay. <laughs> cool your jets, lady. <laughs> Enough's enough. Because a classroom transformation can be as small as a book tasting that's got pieces of paper on all of their desks, a stack of books, and some sort of like thematic element visually on the screen and music. Like that can just be a little ambient transformation. It's not a yeah. huge full-blown change, but it does work because it, it just changes the space. It changes the feeling of the space. It changes. Yes. I think, okay. So let's, let's talk through a couple of examples of types of transformations. Sure. And then maybe I, we can talk about things that work and don't work in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I've definitely experienced both. So classroom transformation types, I think Marie, I, when you talk about immersive experiences, I feel like that's kind of synonymous with one version of a classroom sure. transformation. Sure. Something where you want students to be immersed in an environment, a sensory environment that mm-hmm. prepares them for learning, you know, they're usually, this is a transformation done 
early, right? You've simulated a plane crash and you're going to do a survival game in anticipation of Lord of the Flies. You're going to do a murder mystery party in anticipation of Hamlet. You're going to do a Gatsby party in anticipation of of whatever you're, you're doing. I think that there's also an academic transformation. I'm thinking about, I don't know how do I want to like label this, but when we do Socratic seminar or philosophical chairs or some kind of interactive discussion type of experience, I do take the time to physically rearrange the room and dedicate right. The entire period to inner circle, outer circle, four corners. And I don't let kids start by being comfortable in the seats where they normally are. We start in that new zone, that new frame of thought. So is there, what, how can we label that? So we've got like the, the immersive way of doing it, like a pre-reading experience. Then there's like the academic like discussion version. So it's almost like a thematic transformation versus like a functional transformation. Ooh, okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Because it's one thing to recreate the space visually, auditorily. And then it's another thing to recreate the space in its function in the way that you're sitting and physically how you're interacting with the space. The element of surprise is amazing for those. But then there's like routine transformations that happen in my room, like on days that we're doing coffee shop mode and students just need to get to work. It finally rained last week in San Diego. And so you bet your buttons. I had coffee shop jazz going in my room. I had a thing, a hot water going for hot cocoa for kids to make. They had to bring their own mug. Like it's a whole thing. And they expect it because we've made it a part of our shtick, basically. I had the like YouTube fireplace happening up on the screen and they had work they had to do. And I would, you know, kind of pause it all when I would have to give instruction or do whatever. And then it comes right back up again. And that could have to do with specifically what's going on in the room. I would have had something similar to that anyways, because of what they were working on. But it worked also with just the weather. Like it's even just something to make it. That's that fun aspect. Like it's just something different. That's like, oh, well, isn't this fun? And we're still doing what we were normally going to do. And so that kind of leads me to thinking about like the benefits of this type of lesson is I think that that either the element of the surprise or the element of I'm expecting this, right. This fun. I think that that is something that a right enhances your classroom culture. Yep. B it keeps things from feeling stale or feeling like you're on repeat, you know, and this is coming from someone who has, I've got my unit planning down to a science. (laughs) I've got templated weeks out for myself. And I think that there's a huge benefit, right, to having very strict routines and very strict plans. But there's a really, like, there also needs to be a reprieve from that every once in a while for kids to reset and step back for a minute and kind of interact with their space and their peers and their teacher and the situation in a different way. So those are huge bonuses. And to be flexible within those plans. To be able to then go back to adhering to the routine after they've been flexible is a great life experience and, like, life lesson. Here are some of the things that I've seen go wrong. If you listened to our episode last week, we did a unit makeover on The Great Gatsby. And we talked about like threading the needle and like having things connect. That's the place where I have seen things derail the most is when the transformation is just for fun and very loosely or unclearly connected to what's going on or what needs to happen. (laughs) So for example, one that I I have not done, but I've witnessed going awry 
a lot of teachers for a while, it was like very popular to throw a wedding for Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, I find that weird too. I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess it, okay. But like, here's the problem for me. Like if I did that, my essential question is all about decision-making and logic (laughs) versus emotion. Uh So like taking a full class period to reenact the wedding First of all, like I have a problem sometimes with things that are like, it only kind of centers like a, a very small number of students. I usually have not, not my classes aren't as big as yours, but what yes. do you do with everyone else? So, I mean, you can figure something out, but like, it's not connected to my essential question. It's not connected. Like that part of the play is like the least important to me. Well, <laughs> so, I, but, and, and on the flip side of that though, that might be something that's just good. Right. It's just fun. Yeah, like it, it might be the equivalent of, well, no, I, as I say this, it's not even quite right, of, of giving eulogies for Gatsby, right? Like, but that at least has something to do with character analysis and all that. But maybe you're writing vows for Romeo and Juliet. Maybe it's a, you know, you're writing the toast as Friar Lawrence. Like, I don't know. Maybe, or maybe it's just fun. But again, that's something that wouldn't work for you, but it's something that could get sprinkled in with a good dose of balance. Otherwise, it can go off the rails and kids are going to go, yes. what? Yes. No, you've got, that's, yes. the, that's the only point. I'm not throwing shade at, at weddings. I'm just, <laughs> I just, if it's, if it's too far of a step aside from what you're focusing on, I think you're going to feel it. They're going to feel it. And it might not be as fun as you were hoping it would be. Sure. Sure. That can <laughs> squash the joy for yes. sure. And we do do, I teach eulogy and elegy yes. to my students. So they know that the difference between the two, and then in small groups, they do a funeral for Gatsby, right? As a writing lesson. Yeah. It's a writing lesson. What was our second thing? I can't remember. Makerspace. Makerspace. You've done a whole episode on makerspace on this podcast. Yes. Which we shall link in the show notes. Yes, we shall. Um, But makerspace, I think is something that I think scares ELA teachers because they think uh, makerspace, like I don't have all that stuff and what are you going to make? Yeah. It feels messy. English. Well, it is. And that's like, that's exactly what's fun right, about it. Right. I'm into it. So I talked to my, I won't go through this one again, but I'll just tell you what it's about. We've done tone bottles for specifically for Gatsby. We've also done it with poetry where students are creating a, like a mood tone bottle of water. That's like a combination of water and baby oil with dyed colors and fillers. And then they're creating this bottle to mirror the tone of a passage. So fun. Makerspace is anything that requires students to physically create something inspired by something in your unit. I mean, it it can be so many. I have one that I'm just about to release into the world of TBT. And it's a project where students study the impacts of luxury travel on the environment and whether or not luxury travel is supporting communities and cultures with their existence or harming communities, culture, and environment because of them, specifically focusing on the Northern Lights. So my personal experience of traveling to Iceland, we've seen the good and the bad, right? These tour companies are benefiting in so many ways, right? They're making money for their communities. It's staying on the island, but also like that consistent travel to these locations can be damaging to the environment. So I have students researching that. And then I also having, I'm having them write a poem. And then with that poem is this kind of art lesson Mm -hmm. where kids use chalk pastels to do like a Northern Lights drawing. And it's really just an enhanced 
feature mm-hmm. to the lesson that could exist without it. But it's fun. Like when's the last time that kids got their hands, you know, dirty with some pastels and they were rubbing on black construction paper. When they're in high school. Right. Right. And not in an art class, something similar. I mean, in the same way where it's manipulative and like creative that I like to do, you know, there are those days right before winter break, right before, like in my school, we do a ski week at February, like during president's week. And it's always around Valentine's day. There are those days where you're like, I'm either going to give a really hard assessment to keep everybody super engaged, or I better buckle up my lesson plan because this is going to be a day. I love to do something like that that's like manipulative and fun and yeah, totally kind of related to what we're talking. Like I like to decorate cookies with symbols or like you've seen maybe on like TPT, there's the ugly sweaters where you design it for a character or you've got a couple on yours that are like templates where you design whatever it is that's like thematic to the time of year or whatever for a character. I like to do cookies like... (laughs) decorate and design your cookie. Or the other thing I did last year, and I wanted to do it with food and maybe I'll do it this year, but we just did it with paper, was make a gingerbread house that is representative of, I think it was a relationship within the the novel that they were reading. I love that. And they looked at me like I was nuts. And then they got into it and they were like, why is this so fun? And I was like, right? Why indeed is this so fun? And like the gingerbread house is like, the ones that like my first grader is going to make where it's graham crackers on a milk carton and I like hot glue them on and they just, you know, I need to get some funding for this one this year, but cookies are easy. You ask kids to bring in whatever stuff and then I provide some piece of it and then they have to like draw it out first to draft it and then they create it. And then there's always for mine, like a written rationale explaining all of the yes, pieces always. of their symbol. Yes. If you listen to the episode on Makerspace, I gave some ideas of how to build your own. I worked in I worked in two schools. One school had a makerspace in the library that you That's could cool. check out like a computer lab. Well, back when we used to check out computer labs. <laughs> <laughs> like a whole chrome cart, just, just yeah. pushing it down the hall. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, and like speaking of carts, that's another way to do a makerspace is to have just like a three-tiered cart or like some cart you've stolen from somewhere, a library cart. And you just kind of collect supplies over time and make it your makerspace. And when kids are going to go create something, they can just use what's there. You Mm -hmm. don't need to feel like you have to provide the same things to everyone. You can just have what you have. Save all of your Amazon boxes and break them down. Like cardboard is something that they can cut and save. Um, yeah. you, know, you don't have to have glitter, but you can have glitter. There's a collection. Our, our makerspace had a huge collection of glue guns, which was amazing. Go in on it with the people in your hall and share it amongst the teachers within like five doors of you. And you guys can have a collective one that's on wheels. I mean, there's lots of ways to, you don't need to do it that often. All of these fun activities we know are best saved Yep. For the once in a while. So it's Use not like something sparingly. you need to consistently. Yeah, you don't need to consistently even keep it replenished. You just need to have it for the and coloring, by the way, markers and colored pencils. That's oh, makerspace yeah. oh, for by sure. itself. All good. Yeah. Make a yeah. poster. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> uh, let's get into games. I like games. I like games. What a games lot. do you guys play? Listen, I love, I love a good like pub style trivia. Like I, it's kind of the idea of like the review Jeopardy thing, except it can have totally random rounds. Like we just play it in rounds where each round is a different category. Sometimes, I mean, depending on how 
COVID-y the situation is, how many kids are in there, if we feel comfortable with food, I'll bring snacks so that it's kind of like bar or pub trivia. And I used to do it all the time when I taught theater because we had a whole theater history unit. And so it was like a theater history review. And each round was a different category within theater history. But then there were like bonus lightning questions where like the kids like would set up a representative from their team. And they'd have to write down the answer really fast and bring it to me. And, the, you know, like it's the interactive, it's the fun, but then it's absolutely still like Jeopardy. Great way to do it. Kahoot. You know what? The kids can get behind a Kahoot. Because they haven't seen it since like middle sure. school, often sure. by the time they're in my class. And yeah. the song will be stuck in your head all day. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Yes. When when Kahoot was was new, I remember there was a a YouTube channel that was just that song on oh. repeat. And like, oh my gosh. It was it was awesome. Um, okay, I've got two, two games yeah. that we love. One we weren't really allowed to play anymore, but it's fine. Have you guys ever played a fly swatter game? Uh yeah. Okay. Slap the answer. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. So I loved it, but but like it used to be on an overhead, not an overhead, like a, like the screen came Uh down from the ceiling kind of projector situation, which was problematic, but now people have like TVs in their room for projection. So fly swatter is not as great, but if you have a way of like your projector shining on your board, on the wall. That's, yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. On that's the wall or on your board. Or, that's or I'll do it with that. just like cards. Like, yeah. yes. Okay. The, more, the more low maintenance is, yeah. is like, that's the goal. But low that's tech. a great one. And, and fly swatter is great. So basically, if, if you don't know what we're talking about, you ask the students a question and whoever's at the board has to swat Slap the, the answer. answer. And so if your room is, is like you have two teams, there's two people up there. Each of them has a fly swatter. And the first one to swat the correct answer I usually make them explain why, like defend defend uh-huh. the correct answer or the team in their seats, they have to go find evidence of that answer, right? Or like somehow, right? There's always- Wrapping everybody in. Yeah, 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 yep, yeah. Yep, That's yep. fun. That's a fun one. And then my other one is a game show challenge that uh-huh. I, I can link for you all, but it's I call it the spare change game show. And it's an argument game. And so I create a slide deck, like a really simple one. And there's basically a yes column and a no column. And the yes is heads, the no is tails. And they have to argue yes or no, depending on which way the coin flipped. And they're responding to a claim statement. So one of my favorites, I we're, we were just talking about Gatsby, so it's fresh in my head, is Daisy is trapped and deserves the reader's pity. Woo! And so then the kids are in pairs. And so every pair is basically playing amongst themselves. And so Uh in your pair, like you flip the coin and then someone has yes, someone has no. Um, And then I tell them, okay, the yes people, you're all going to argue first. And I time them for a minute and they have to make their case for a minute. Then they have to switch to the no person. They make their case. Then we come back for a rebuttal, you know, counter argument, Uh all of that. You can do this in groups of three so that there's one person who's neutral deciding on the winner and then it kind of like rotates. But all you need are your statements and a coin or a YouTube channel that flips a coin virtually. It's clicking. It goes shloop, shloop, shloop. And that's super fun. And that one is hot, exciting. Everyone gets really riled up and they don't remember that they're practicing argument. Sneaky. Another game I like is the the ones with like Jenga where you like put props oh, yeah. on the Jenga pieces. Yep. That one is very fun as well. I like to do that quite a bit. 
Uh, a little hack for that is you get like your Jenga pieces, you put symbols on them and then, or numbers and those, then you can change your questions based on what you're doing. Yes. Fun, fun little hack for you. Okay. I think we need to take a quick break and then we're going to come back for the immersive role play activities that I was talking about before. Okay. Okay. We'll be right back after break. This episode is brought to you by Curriculum Rehab by us, the team here at Brave New Teaching. It is the first and only teacher PD of its kind, a course to help teachers like you by guiding you through creating your own personal framework for curriculum. You make it work for you, your students, and your unique situation because nobody else knows what the kiddos in your classroom need the way that you do. Curriculum Rehab takes all of the resources available to you, all of the lessons, the assessments, the activities, all of the texts, everything that could possibly be there for you, and it helps you organize what you actually need in order to attain your teaching objectives. These are the strategies that Amanda and myself have used in our own classrooms, have developed over very long years of teaching and figuring things out combined together to create this framework and these strategies that we can guide you through. This course will give you the tools you need for a complete curriculum overhaul or to start from scratch. Wherever you are on that continuum, it does it all for you and with you on your timeline. So start today, do a little bit more in a couple of months, and then pick it up next summer. It's teacher PD the way it should be on your own time. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash course for more information, or just head to the show notes for this episode. We cannot wait to see you there. It's finally time to take control of what goes on in your own classroom and create the curriculum of your dreams. All right, let's get back into the show. All right, let's bring it home with some fun activities that they can go along with what we talked about at the very beginning, classroom transformations, or they don't necessarily have to. But what they ask students to do is to assume the roles of someone else, whether it's someone in a book you're reading or just a character that could exist or just someone outside of themselves. And it it engages students in various different ways. They are activities that ask students to do varied levels of pushing themselves, like wherever their comfort level is. Uh, One of my best examples is that Hamlet murder mystery party that I have. We need to make this more readily available to other people, (laughs) that murder mystery party, because it is available in our first Shakespeare festival workshop. If you go to curriculumrehab.com slash Shakespeare basics and get your hands on that festival, that is where that Hamlet murder mystery party is. I don't know why I can't talk right now. I'm trying really hard though. (laughs) Um, But that murder mystery party, if you haven't heard me talk about it before, it basically gives every single student a role. And most of the roles are from Hamlet or because I have so many students, I also made up roles of like servants and I took King, what play did I put in there? King Richard? I don't remember. I took one of the histories and took those characters and like, it's nice. this whole they were all made there. up. Yes. It's this whole made up thing that the Royal court of England has come to Denmark for a party and King Hamlet dies in the party and they have to like solve the mystery. And then there's, there's text clues all around the room that they have to use the actual text from the play to accuse somebody and then back up their accusation with a piece of evidence from the text. That's like 
10 or 11 clues put around the room, depending on how much scaffolding I want to give them. But what the kids do is they get a little card that has their character name, a few things about who their character is, and then a secret that they have to keep. The secrets are such red herrings, but it makes them all able to interact. And they're supposed to try to ask people slyly what their secrets are. And like students who are all in are all in. And students who just want to dip their toe just walk up and answer somebody else's questions about their character, right? So that's like an immersive experience that both gets them interacting with the text. And is like, every time I say, what was one of your favorite? They're like, the murder mystery party. There's just something about that. And like, it's the nerdiest thing, but they love it. That's pretty dorky. It is pretty dorky, right? All of my things are pretty dorky. I have another one that is actually a free... Well, I'm also a drama teacher. Like, I feel like we forget sometimes to tell people this, that I am a theater kid and I'm a drama teacher and an English teacher. So like, this is... This is what I like to do. You have you have kids like role play in class, yeah? Like, well, like your uh, your tableau. That's yeah, that's totally immersive. Oh, the tableau. I feel yes. like even like, my Gatsby party is as well. I think the I want to hear your other one. I said that the only one that I feel like I haven't talked about recently on the podcast is when we used to do a debate unit and it was a research unit and the product, the summative was a debate. So it was highly scaffolded. The groups were, they were groups of five and one person was the team leader and they were basically like the intro and the conclusion paragraph. Uh Uh-huh. And then I had two people as the body paragraph. So they were making individual arguments, right? And then that last role was called the stakeholder. And so in this research debate, let's say the topic was, you know, planting fruit trees in your backyard, right? So a stakeholder role that that student was specifically selected because I would have paired them up to have that kind of divergent thinking and like unique Mm -hmm. train of thought. And they would have to choose somebody impacted by this decision or this issue. So in our fruit tree example, you might have like a local Arbor Day, you know, leader coming into the debate to share his or her point of view and the ways in which it impacts the conversation. It might be the neighbor of someone whose apple tree is dumping apples into their yard and causing a raccoon infestation, right? So it was, it was like part acting, but, but all based on research of, events and things that would lead that person's story to be credible. Uh, yeah. That they're, was they're always the, awesome. the character witness, the character witness. Yes. Um, and that was, that was a really special role that I think really engaged. I always had the right kid for that job. Right. Um, I, I don't know what, what it was like. It wasn't always the same type of kid. It wasn't always the struggler or the, or the high kid or the whatever it was like, it was a personality thing. Mm-hmm. Um, And I always loved having that option because it also could be excluded. If it didn't fit that group, then we just had three body paragraphs. Then whatever. Um, Yeah. But yeah, the stakeholder was always one really awesome piece of that assessment. That is fun. Mm -hmm. I have, I, okay. Well, no, I have a few, of course. Now my brain's going, but one that I'm going to share because I have it as a freebie on my website is um, I call it books giving. It's, it's Thanksgiving, but with books, you see, and students, (laughs) you see, you see. Students get to assume the role of a character that we have examined in some capacity at some point in this year. 
So by the time that we're doing Booksgiving, it's normally a day before Thanksgiving break. and Or, I mean, whatever. You could call it literary potluck. I've called that called it that at a different time of year, like if I need to put this day somewhere else. And students are having a dinner party, quote unquote, dinner party. Sometimes I'll let them have food, sometimes not. Lately, not because COVID. But they are sitting down with a group of people at a formal dinner party, like, you know, all the air quotes. And they are taking turns asking a series of like conversation starter questions and then answering in character. That's the the crux of it. To prepare for it is where all the work goes in. And students do a whole like character bio sort of a thing where it's a ton of character analysis, a ton of like deeper thinking and doing different types of thinking, looking at a character and getting themselves into the head of it. This is where my drama teacher stuff comes into play because it's like character prep basically for taking on a role. It's actor prep. Sometimes we'll make name cards for our dinner party and they'll like create a place card for their character that has like different symbolism and stuff like that. And then that's how they know where they're going to sit when they sit down at the dinner party. This can involve classroom transformation. It most often doesn't because it's just fun without it. And the conversations, I think I found like I have the whole free download for you. If you go to the show notes, I'll link it there. Um, There's a whole list of questions and you just, I like to cut them up in strips and put them all over the table. And then students just take turns picking up a question and posing it. And they have the weirdest conversations in character. (laughs) It's really funny. If if kids weren't already weird, like in a loving way, we say that we love their weirdness. It just gets weirder. Yeah. Yeah. One year we made paper turkeys out of discarded book pages. And those were our name cards. Oh, cute. (laughs) It was, it was, it was pretty extra. We were into it. I liked it. Yeah. Look at me. Hey, you know what? Part of this is all like, as you're listening to this episode, we hope that you are feeling certain things and not feeling others. I mean, part of having fun in your classroom also means like honoring your true spirit of fun and like the kind of fun that you actually enjoy. Like Marie's (laughs) version of fun doesn't have to be your version of fun or my version of fun. Like you need, like we've spoken before about our favorite things. Like Marie enjoys the process of slowly making coffee when I'm like, I mean, Dunkin' Donuts is right there. But like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's to each their own. You need to, I think for fun to be successful, you have to know yourself. You have to know your kids. You have to know your space. And that's only going to make things more fun is if you lean into what already lights your spirit on fire. Oh yeah. The thing that sells books giving is that I am so excited. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm so excited. And they're just like, okay, okay, calm down. We'll do it. Like, <laughs> And then they, and then they have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so fun. And again, I said this at the very beginning of the episode. I want to say it again. This is your permission. This is your license to just have fun for the sake of having fun. This is your permission and your license to have fun that is super wrapped up into your curriculum. It is also your permission to take a break from having fun and only use it when you need it, when it is appropriate, when it is necessary and find a balance therein. But fun does not have to be gone in order for rigor to exist. It's a little long, but it could make for a good t-shirt. Okay. You are correct. Maybe maybe it's a sticker. Yes. Is someone out there keeping track of these things so that they can tell us? Because we're not. (laughs) What the shirts and stickers and merch need to be of the brilliant things that Marie always says. Because 
we're not keeping track. No. We hear ourselves, but then we forget. Yeah, we should keep track, but we haven't. Well, here's one good thing, right? That this conversation is not totally over. We put out the bat signal to our audience of listeners. We put out a question sticker to our Instagram followers. And we are about to show you another example of what a happy hour episode will look like in the future. And a happy hour episode this time is going to be a Q&A episode all about fun. Yes, we've got questions about including fun in your classroom, things that have to do with like, how do you do it? Like, where do you get the stuff? How, how does that? When do you do it? We we are excited to show you another preview of what our happy hour episodes are going to be like once we get that ball rolling next year, next month, I believe. Close, I mean, yeah. This episode comes out. Yeah. So stay tuned. We have a free bonus episode this week that's another happy hour preview. We will cheers you when we see you there. And until then, thank you for listening, and we will see you in just a moment. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school. 